Welcome to the Soma Soulworks Podcast. We hope here to equip, empower, and inspire a global community of creatives through rich, Christ-focused conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the Soma Soulworks podcast. Today in the studio, we have myself, Samantha. Uh, me, Gavin Nichols. Hello, this is Neil. And me, Gavin Nichols. Again. Okay, Chris. Uh, so today, uh, a good friend of ours in the community had just uh, made a blog post about using games as a mission field. And... That sounded like something we all wanted to talk about today because it's near and dear to our hearts and fresh. And who was that? Who Brock wrote? Henderson. Exactly. And just yes. for the record, on a, we should we'll link this, him in the description. We're also going to interview Brock about this, Ooh. and so uh, he'll show up here in our podcast somewhere, somewhere soon. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, because he's been writing a few of those different blog posts on really interesting topics, and this is just one that hit home perfectly today. So, games as mission field. Are we going to go through specific questions or? Well, one, I don't think we need to kind of cover the article in the podcast just because go read the article. Um, but we'll I do think what, what I was notes. intrigued by is you broadly have this this notion of is there any cultural value in games at all anyway? Like I think at some level, some people ask that question. Mm-hmm. But then you get a little bit closer in the church side and there, this is a big question. Like how can you possibly say there are Christian games or that they have any initial meaning or anything at all? And we have that conversation all the freaking time. <laughs> um, it's a lot less common than it used to be, but it's still. I think when we go to the GDC, uh, CGDC uh, Facebook page, this is the kind of conversation that is pretty common. So, one, and I'm curious to hear how each of us. How did you get to the place you are on this topic, and what were the steps? And, and like, think about when you were wet behind the ears, and you just weren't sure if you were going to play Doom and go to hell. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely been quite a journey for me through sort of all things, through books, through music. Um, I just remember buying this album when I was in high school that I really loved all the music, but I had questions about, like, if the lyrics are saying what I what I think they're saying, like, is this bad? Like, I don't know. Um, but in general, uh, I had never really thought about it as a specifically a mission but I knew that everything that I put into myself would have an influence on who I am who I was how I thought um I can point to some key you know movies and stuff that I watched growing up and really really loved and resonated with that I think are sort of influential sources of how I feel like morals and like a greater greater truth of the world and then of course as a writing major I believe that storytelling is kind of humanity's key uh tool for for sharing and and building a framework of of like viewing how the world works and defining what our what our shared truth is um so it was actually only recently that I realized, like, oh, that can kind of be synonymous with mission if you're, the truth that you're, you're wanting to convey and share is, you know, I guess religion. Like, I think that's the only, only difference, although we have seen examples of 
secular the secular world referring to their mission as just being their political agenda Mm. yeah but i'm staring at you only because like you haven't been on the show very often i'm actually really curious to hear what you have to say okay yeah um so i've I've never personally viewed video games as inherently sinful um so the the idea that like oh stay away from that devil stuff has never been a um a thing for me partially just because i've been playing video games from as long as i can remember i remember playing duck hunt um you know in my uncle's basement um when the like on like i remember it being a light rifle and then mm. when i got older i found one and i thought like wow this thing is way smaller than i remember uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a tiny little pistol thing um so yeah they've just they've always been a part of my life um so but it, it was always a, a side thing and when i when i got into uh, you know, my young adult years and frankly started working um, at SOMA, there was you know, a, a challenge um, that we, you know, you, you, you Chris, presented us as, as, as a company. You regularly present um, all of us, which is to integrate your faith into all aspects of your life. Like, you know, you're not just a Christian on Sunday. Like, you're a Christian seven days a week. What does that look like? If you're a Christian at work, what does that look like? If you're a Christian at home, what does that look like? If you're a Christian while you play video games, what does that look like? Um, and, you know, why does you being a Christian matter in that area? Um, and so that's where I started to think about the question of like, okay, well, why like, why does me being a Christian making video games or playing video games, you know, how does that matter? How does that affect? Um, and... Yeah, for me, um, missional objectives, missionary type activities are relational at their core. Um, in 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 my opinion, and how I would practice this in any case is is that you have to have a relationship with someone uh, before you can, you know. Uh, um, uh, what's the word mission to them, which is, that's not the word. Say it again. Evangelize. Evangelize. Thank you. Uh, to, to, to evangelize with them. Um, you know, and, and, you know, different people require different levels of relationship uh, before you can do that. You know, so maybe you just, you, somebody is ready for the message and you just need that slight introduction with them, you know, hey, here's a sandwich, let's have coffee, and then, you know, like they're ready, they're open. Some people are more closed off and you need more of a relationship with them for you to be able, for them to be able to to trust you enough to hear the message, um, to, you know, be open to you. Um, and And I guess the way that I've always thought about it is like, if they're not open to you, they won't be open to the Holy Spirit speaking through you. Um, and so even if you have the most eloquent argument ever, um, you know, if or, or, or the, the speech or, or point or, or story or, or, or whatever, um, if they are walled off from you, if your relationship is in a bad state, yeah, you know, they're going to close themselves off to any influence 
that, you know, the Holy Spirit might have on them. And so, and maybe, you know, God's all powerful. He can do anything. You know, he can come in um, at a later date and bring those words back into their mind um, if, you know, that's his plan or whatever. But um, being open to someone in relationship uh, opens your heart up to uh, the Holy Spirit's influence as well, at least in my experience. Right on. Neil, you're the only one here who like has proper mission experience. Like, like this was a thing for you. Like, how do you think about all this? Uh, the, the, the training and the experience and the, just the journey with God has always been very, uh, easy to understand that mission mindedness can go into basically every aspect of life. Um, and basically every career or work, um, because the, just similar to what you're saying, Gavin, it's very, it's very clear. Jesus was very much like, walk with me in every aspect of life. Oh, okay. So if I'm thinking that way, um, and I'm just trying to be more like Jesus in every aspect of life, of course it can go with work and with, you know, games as being in the industry here. Uh, that's just one of the many, but I think games is interesting because, um, like Sam was saying, the storytelling side of games, which many games, not all, but many games have that aspect, or at least games can tell and teach and bring ideas to people in a way that's pretty unique with the interactivity and, um, world building and so on. You can get in a game that's very different than a novel or TV show or movie and so on. It's a lot easier to share some of those ideas and have people have people understand them in a way that's more deep, um, and that's kind of one of the pieces I think about games is if you are somebody who's intentionally or even unintentionally um, sharing kingdom-minded worldview or biblical worldview, um, then that can come about just from following Jesus closely and working well in the industry, or intentionally creating that, crafting that into the story or the play experience of the game. And that is uh, just an awesome way to look at games is they can be very missional um, if the person is wanting to do that or even unintentionally missional just because they're walking well with the Lord and it's coming out in their work. So both of those are very true in what I've seen personally and also what I've seen in just friends in the industry who are trying to do this more as a mission. I'm curious to actually kind of try to frame this in a, in a slightly different way. So what I what I think Brock was pointing out in his article is one could reframe it. Of course, games can be mission field. Like, <laughs> there's sort of a, like, well, duh. And I don't mean that he was sassy about it or anything, but it's sort of obvious once he lays it out. Um, and then, of course, how we use the word mission or mission field becomes really important because for some of us, that immediately brings evangelism and only evangelism to mind. Um, but I think... I think when we are asking a different question is like what other what other functions of the kingdom of God can gaming either as an industry or as a product or anything else how what can that serve and then what's the best match so for example um hospitals um orphanages you know th- these are these are now common social institutions that started from a Christian mission perspective, like Christians invented hospitals because no one used to look after sick people. Christians decided they were still people. Suddenly there's mm. hospitals and now there's hospitals everywhere. And, and orphanages were the similar kind of a thing. Like these are abandoned children 
like the Romans and the Spartans, they just you know put them on the hillside and the gods will take care of them. But then Christians just kept picking them up. And suddenly there's this message of adoption and, and, and taking up every human life. So in that regard, I think you could say those were missional in one sense. They weren't evangelistic. Um, and so that, then it sort of moves to the next question is, where does gaming best serve the kingdom of God? And if we're willing to say mission field equals that, like just bringing the kingdom from the common grace, and it's not primarily about evangelism, or at least not exclusively, it's where does, where are we bringing, you know, on earth as it is in heaven? Then where does gaming fit the best? There definitely seems to be sort of two sides of that. Uh, and part of that is the business as a mission and the product as a mission. Hmm. Um, I know business as a mission is something that you, Chris, have been plugged into for a very long time and thinking about and just ways to have a more redemptive framework in how you run a company versus building products that are expressly missional. Um, and so obviously in gaming, any one thing I think you can, can, there's room for both, but from a purely product side of things, not entirely sure. Like, I don't know what a best fit would be. Hmm. I think for me, it seems kind of like, it seems obvious but maybe that's just the way that my brain works which is like there's 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 a piece to the kingdom where play is important enough to be a commandment um you know uh you know keep keep the sabbath day holy and 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 rest or play as some translations you know uh would serve you know um and i mean that's that's what video games are all about it's about play um and uh and sometimes you know you you play by yourself because you know you want to um be alone um there's a lot of times that you want to um play it, it, it playing with others i think is is a really obvious thing where like my favorite video game memories are the ones where i'm playing with friends um, you know i remember in high school like every birthday party I had was like, no, nah, I'm having a Halo land party. Right, um, exactly. And everybody is coming over, bringing all of our TVs, going to be 16 teenage <laughs> boys staying up until all hours of the morning, shouting across the house from each other, mm. uh, blowing each other up with rocket launchers and eating junk food. Uh, and it was great. It was so much fun. <laughs> uh, you know, and like those kind of things, just bringing people together. Um, but then there's, you know, there's also the side of it of like, you know, when you're playing a video game by yourself, um, there's, you know, a lot of place there too. just, you know, the same way of like C.S. Lewis wrote, you know, Chronicles of Narnia, uh, you know, a great book, um, you know, bringing the, the message of Christ in allegorical form. Mm -hmm. That's, again, an easy, obvious way to do the same thing in video games. It's just a different storytelling medium. Mm. Um, personally, I think there's other avenues as well, like the mechanics themselves can lend, uh, game mechanics themselves can lend them to uh, allegorical stories without necessarily a, a overarching narrative story. Uh, but that's just a mm. personal like game design thing for me. It's like, I 
I focus on mechanics all the time and what mechanics do to you as a player. How do they mm. change your thinking? How do they change your experience? And so. I reckon part of the thing I think that happens with all games is to some degree, you wind up experiencing an alternate reality to some degree. Like I don't, want, I don't know a better word for this, although that sounds too heavy handed, but some games are really complex and immersive. So entire countries, right. Full of running around Skyrim, looking for, for dragons, whatever it is like that could be super complex or even at the lowest end, at least in this world, you know, when I put three candies together, they blow up. Like, like, <laughs> so we're always looking at some, you know, greater or lesser version of alternate reality. And then I, I think one of the undervalued aspects of that is even just in the game mechanics, you're telling something, you're mm -hmm. saying something. Mm -hmm. And I imagine there's things like, is this a world that is orderly? Is this a world <laughs> that is fair? Is this a world that is, you know, chaotic and crazy? Like all those, all those things are real choices um, that show up in your game mechanics almost without you meaning. Um, and I think that's really overlooked. And if we thought about the, me the mechanics and the message of them, that might be an interesting piece of this puzzle that that has a lot of fruit. I I, I, uh, I remember in Fable, <laughs> there was there was this mechanic, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Fable. If I'm wrong, someone correct me. Actually, don't do that. Uh, just pretend it was Fable. So in this in this world, you could meet anybody, right? You meet any NPCs, and you bring up this little information panel about them, and it says, whatever, this person is... Susie and she works at the bar and she's 38 years old, whatever it told you, like basic, basic information about who she was. And, and then part of that was their sexual preference, right? Am I straight? Am I gay? Whatever it was. So that was part of how the game UI, a mechanic, told you about their sexuality. But there was another mechanic that you could date anybody. You could, like there was a way in which you could woo anybody, interestingly, independent of their orientation. So... <laughs> Susie might be gay, but you could still marry her if you were a male character and vice versa. So in this interesting way, here's one of the things that caught my attention is I'm pretty sure Peter Molyneux would not say that sexual identity was, was chosen. I'm pretty sure he would not say that it was sort of a guessing game. You can pick whatever you want as a person. And there are aspects of his game that say sexual identity is fixed. There are aspects of the game that says sexual identity is fluid. And it's just really interesting to me, this interplay in a mechanic where I'm pretty sure just no one thought it through. Mm -hmm. From at least they didn't mean it to be give you a mixed message. I'm pretty sure, but it occurs to me like that's a mechanics question. So if you found a game, for example, that wasn't fair, and you'd like, <laughs> there's one thing like Dark Souls is hard, but it's fair. There's other games that feel that's cheating. Like <laughs> I know, like when I play Civilization at the hardest level, <laughs> he doesn't play fair. He just cheats, yeah. and it pisses me off <laughs> because it says something about the world that I can't stand. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. I was thinking this earlier when I don't I th remember who was saying it, but that that is something that that's dear to me. That like even without an overt narrative, you still are making a commentary. Again, just through the mechanics, and that is one of the the places where you can have the most influence, I guess, of just building. I don't know, it's almost subliminal messaging, I guess, of like, man, I totally lost that train of thought that I was going on, but you know, <laughs> no, I can it's tell you it's deep, though. I think it's, thank it, you. Thank yeah, you. it's, it's, <laughs> it's good. Like your mechanics have a message, no matter what your narrative is, whether you have a narrative or you don't, 
the mechanics that you use also have a message. They change the way that you interact with the game, which mm -hmm. again, like the whole point of a game is that it is interactive. You interacting with it creates a story. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that story has a message. Every story has a message. Mm -hmm. Some are very surface level, some are not. Uh, mm -hmm. As a current example for me um, of how mechanics uh, have a message or whatever, um, been playing a lot of Raft lately, mm -hmm. um, and the overarching message of Raft is, you know, oh, the you know world is underwater and it's bad, um, and now we're making, you know, rafts out of junk floating on the water, right? Mm -hmm. um, however. There's a mechanic in the game where resources are just floating on the water and just as you go along, you just continually get more and more and more and more resources. I think unintentionally, there is a message there that like resources are actually infinite. You can mm -hmm. just keep floating all day long and continue to gather more and more and more and more and more and more resources and just create as big of a raft as you possibly can. And just, you know, the resources are infinite. They're not actually... A thing um, that you have to worry too much about and and it's mm. a message that is not necessarily in line with the with the narrative of the game um, but then again it also changes depending on how you play the game so maybe you play it where resources are, are very scarce um, and you mm. um, are just going on to the next thing and you're gonna have a very different uh, takeaway from that game so I think part of the reason why I get that message from the game is because I'm a hoarder. I collect <laughs> things. I have chests on chests on chests of stuff. And so, yeah. I think the first time I saw one of your Minecraft chest rooms, <laughs> I was at first, like, terrified by how much organization went into it. And then I think my next move was, like, this is brilliant. And then my third move was, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> so I guess then, oh, I'm sorry, you, go ahead. I was just playing off of that because the play style is another piece of this puzzle. So um, we have these worlds or alternate realities, uh, these experiences we get to play. Um, and each game is very different, very interesting. And there's genres and so on. But you, there's also the player's choices in that, that I like playing a certain way and you like playing a certain way. Oh, that is going to change the experience. Uh, but there's some core foundations, mechanics and story and so on. Um, kind of the artistic expressions that um, that do have a foundation to it that you can play within those bounds. So those bounds mean something. That's kind of one of the key things, I think, as we craft the games, you're going to give players bounds and then that's, that's mm -hmm. part of that um, very intentional choice or sometimes unintentional choice for the for the creators, the game creator, the game developers, and that leads to unique experiences that tell something about usually the creator of yeah. that game. I think there's one piece um, that I want to fit in here as well. That's that's a totally different take on games as mission. We've been talking about how products can mission can can um, mission to to players, um, but for for me. Um, in addition to all of that, which is great, uh, video games, uh, the the industry missions to me as a Christian developing video games does it um, in this way where 
making video games draws me closer to God because it makes me feel a connection as a creator to the original creator. Whenever I'm making a video game, there's a part of my heart that's like, is this what it was like for God when he was making his universe? Um, and I think those moments when I remember that and I get to pray with God about that and, and have that kind of additional intimate relationship with him is something really special to me. Um, and I love that the industry is evolving to the point where uh, video game developing can be a hobby. Mm. Um, just like, you know, there's, you know, professional uh, home builders and then there's, you know, uh, people who like to do, uh, you know, home improvement jobs as a hobby, you know, kind of a thing and being a handyman. It's the same thing. Like there's levels of uh, um, uh, engagement that you can choose uh, with this, but all of them can point you to uh, our original creator. Point for the sake of time, I want to close with a thought here, and it, it goes back to something Neil said early on, is I think the the most, I don't know what I should say, is like the idea that I enjoy the most when we talk about mission field stuff is the idea that mission field is everywhere. Mission field is where you make it, and it's not when we get our heads past that missions equals evangelism, and, in, and if we get our heads in mission means bringing God's kingdom to earth, hmm. then it's everywhere. And, and then I think when we want to encourage game developers on this podcast, for example, like if you think about that as a real thing and it, and, and it influences every decision you make, right? Like should this UI work this way? Should this mechanic work this way? And, and think through questions like am I, am I actually reflecting what I intended to create? I'll bet you there's a bunch of stuff out there that, that is sort of untapped gold. Um, just, mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that's a place where we can actually be really thoughtful and, and effective in ways that might be subliminal in some cases. Like, I didn't even realize why that game made me feel that way. And it could be in things like the mechanics, the lighting, the balance. All that stuff could be so subtle, but is still bringing this is the vision of heaven. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, that, I think, is, is a wide open field and as long as we just engage with it. It's like it's there all along if we're willing to engage. Yeah, it's incredibly freeing to know that you can make a difference doing for for the kingdom without going to a third world country and building a church or something. Right. Like that's mm -hmm. a way to make a difference, but it's not the only way. And that's I think just a valuable takeaway. Yeah. Well, since you started the show, why don't you end it? Well, then, thank you everyone for coming um, and listening to our episode here uh we hope you tune in next week and uh just have a great time until we speak at you again thank you for joining us for today's conversation you can find us online at somasoulworks.org and continue these conversations with our small group curriculum we hope to see you next time and have a great day